I'm so glad that God's still on the throne, aren't you? I'm glad that I'm saved this morning, 27 years ago this month. God in heaven showed me as an 11-year-old child that I was lost and on my way to the devil's hell, and he revealed to me that Jesus Christ had paid my sin debt, and I trusted him to be my personal Savior, and I'm forever grateful for that. I want you to take your Bibles, please, to the book of 1 Kings, chapter number 19 this morning. 1 Kings, chapter number 19. Some of our younger men at church, our young preachers start out preaching. I tell them the first time they ever stand to preach, just don't do anything, just don't say anything stupid. If you can just survive and don't say anything stupid, you'll be all right. Today I kind of feel like one of them. If I can just survive, not say anything stupid, I think I'll be all right. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 19, your Bibles please. I want to read verse number 1 through verse number... Uh, I need to get in 1 Kings, not 2 Kings. Verse number 1 through verse number 18. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with all he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, so let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. When he saw that, he arose and went for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And said, here's the phrase I want to emphasize, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals, and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel, have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And like a good Baptist preacher, I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount of the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him, saying, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when thou comest, anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. 
And Jehu the son of Nimshai shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abimeholah shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazel shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel. All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal and every mouth which hath not kissed him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity, this great privilege that you've given me to speak today in this meeting. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to be an encouragement. That is my desire, to be an encouragement today. And for anything that's done, we will give you the glory. You're worthy of it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 4 when Elijah said, It is enough. It is enough. Those are, those are the words of a man who is dealing with depression. Elijah saying, God, I, I just can't take it anymore. As a matter of fact, Elijah's at a rock bottom place of despair in his life where he's literally asking God to take his life. I want to deal with the subject of depression for just a moment, discouragement. We're living in a day when it's easy to get discouraged. Especially for those of us in the ministry, it's easy to be discouraged or even be depressed. Most of us have dealt with some measure of discouragement and depression. Some people seem to deal with these feelings of depression and discouragement more than other people. I don't know why that is. Just seem to be given over to that feeling of discouragement and depression. According to the American Psychiatric Association, one in six people in their lifetime deal with depression. I don't know what that is amongst those that are in the ministry. Perhaps there's some statistic out there, but I would say that we all deal with some measure of discouragement or depression in the ministry. If I could say it this way, depression will cripple your life cripple your ministry. Elijah was a difference maker. We studied the life of Elijah realized that he was dynamic for God. He was a man that came on the scene and just really made a difference for God. Yet we find him in 1 Kings 19. Doesn't seem to be making much of a difference. I tell you, it's hard to make a difference when you're discouraged and depressed, isn't it? So if Elijah's going to make a real difference for God, again, he's going, to get out, he's going to have to get out of this psychiatric slump he's in in 1 Kings chapter 19. Maybe you came discouraged today. If you're not discouraged today, you might be tomorrow. How do we deal with discouragement and depression? Let's look at the life of Elijah for just a moment. Maybe God can help us. I'm going to give you several truths. First of all, I want you to consider, firstly, very simply, the character of depression. Obviously, the character who is depressed in our text is Elijah. But I want you to think about that for just a moment because Elijah is a man of God, a great man of God. I mean, Elijah, you think he'd been used of God to stop the rain for three years. Anybody been able to stop the rain? We were talking about a man, a man of God. God used him. He was a, he was a preacher. In fact, he was compared to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus asked his disciples at one place, whom do men say that I am? And his disciples said, well, some people think that you're Elijah. Reincarnated. I mean, uh, Elijah was a man. He was a powerful preacher. 
On the Mount of Transfiguration, there stands Moses, and then there stands Elijah with Jesus. That's pretty good company. He was a man of God, used mightily of God, and yet we find in 1 Kings 19, he's a man in a state of depression who gets to the place where he says, it is enough. I just can't take anymore. I want you to know that great people, great men, deal with discouragement. If Elijah can deal with discouragement, depression, then we can too. The great Winston Churchill, great leader, said, Depression followed me like a black dog all the days of my life. As a young man, Abraham Lincoln said, I'm the most miserable man living. He studied the life of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. He was a man who dealt with depression greatly. Great men in the Bible dealt with depression. Moses became so discouraged at one point he asked God to take his life. Jonah, after the great revival at Nineveh, was so discouraged he became suicidal. Paul said there was a time in his life and ministry when he even despaired of life. Don't get the idea that just because you're discouraged or depressed, that don't mean you're not spiritual. We're all susceptible to being discouraged. Here's Elijah. He's just called down fire from heaven. He's been greatly used of God. And in 1 Kings 19, he's discouraged. He's as low as he could possibly go. The character of depression could be me, could be you. Number two, we see the cause of depression. What is it that triggered this seemingly sudden depression in Elijah's life? Well, I believe, number one, it was fear that caused this depression. As soon as wicked Jezebel heard that her 450 prophets of Baal had been slain, she sends a message to threaten Elijah. She says, Elijah, you may have gotten the victory on Mount Carmel, but I want you to know before tomorrow I'm going to have your head. You're finished, Elijah. I mean, here's the man that just stood with boldness in front of Israel and he called them to repentance. He called them to a decision. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? And now we find him afraid of Jezebel's threats. If I could say it this way, Elijah's running from a defeated foe. You ever ran from something that may never come to pass? You know, they say that 85% of the things we worry about will never come to pass. And how often we run from things and we're afraid of things. We get discouraged because when we get afraid, we become discouraged and then we become depressed. You know what Elijah's done? Elijah's taken his eyes off his God and he's put his eyes on Jezebel. Maybe you've taken your eyes off God and put your eyes on Jezebel this morning and you're afraid and you're running from things that may never come to pass. I tell you, it'd be easy for us to be afraid right now with all that's going on in our world. But may we keep our eyes on God and not on our circumstances and not allow fear to cripple us and depress us and discourage us. Not only fear, I believe fatigue caused depression in Elijah's life. I mean, here's a man that's been through quite an ordeal, right? The showdown on Mount Carmel. You think about a man that stood and preached to 450 prophets of Baal and the entire nation of Israel and said, hey, it's time you make a decision. All day long, the prophets of Baal are dancing around Elijah's. He's, he's there and then he calls down. I mean, we're talking about an emotionally depleting event. 
Elijah's physically repairing the altar. He's praying. He's doing all this. Then he takes off into the desert. He's running from Jezebel. He's a targeted man. And in this moment of fatigue, the enemy comes to Elijah. Fatigue can cause discouragement and depression. Well, we can get fatigued, can't we? Fear, fatigue, failure leads to depression. Here's Elijah. He says, am I no better than my father's? I'm not sure exactly what he was insinuating here, but obviously he had thought and considered himself as a failure to some degree. Failure or perceived failure can lead to discouragement or depression. Fulfillment can cause depression. I mean, he just had the biggest mountaintop experience of his life. He just called down fire from heaven. I mean, who does that? He comes from the greatest mountaintop experience of his life and then goes to the lowest place. You know some of the greatest fulfillments of our life and ministry give way to some of our greatest points of despair and, dis and depression? Spurgeon said, the time's most favorable to fits of depression so far as I have experienced may be summed up in a brief catalog. First among them, I must mention the hour of success. When at last a long-cherished desire is filled, when God has been glorified greatly by our means and a great triumph achieved, then we are apt to faint. It's often following our greatest successes we face our greatest fits of discouragement. The character of Elijah's depression, it was Elijah. The cause of Elijah's depression, fear and fulfillment and failure and fatigue. But then I noticed the characteristics of his depression. What did it look like? What does depression look like? Well, we look at Elijah in 1 Kings 19, we notice that he distances himself. In verse number 4, he distanced himself from everybody in his life. He even left his servant behind. And he retreats into the wilderness of depression alone. Isn't that what we do when we get discouraged? Because that's the right thing to do, right? When you get discouraged, go find somewhere by yourself and get alone. <laughs> but that's what we do, you know. Just leave me alone. I don't want to talk about it. My wife comes to me whenever I seem discouraged and down and out. She says, hey, what's going on with you? Talk to me. And I always say, I don't want to talk to you right now. Just leave me alone. Just let me wallow in my discouragement for a while. That's what we want to do. We want to distance ourselves and wallow in our self-pity. He distanced himself. His characteristics of depression, we find in verse 4 that he disengaged. Rather than staying in the fight, Elijah retreats into the wilderness, disengaging himself from what God had given him to do. We find him in 1 Kings 19 under a juniper tree. He's done. God, I just can't take anymore. I quit. Even after God provides Elijah a meal, he goes to the cave and he disengages himself from the work of God because depressed people quit. Yeah. There's never been an encouraged person that's quit something. We quit when we're discouraged. We get discouraged, we quit, and we attempt to justify why we quit. But quitting's never the answer, is it? His distance, his disengagement, verse 4, we find his despair. 
He's in a place where he's even despairing of life. 24 hours from the time he called down fire on Mount Carmel, he's saying, God, just take my life. You ever made an extreme statement that you you regretted later? Elijah says, I just wish I was dead. How many Monday mornings have you said, well, nobody at that church cares about me anyways. Be better off if I just went somewhere else. They don't care about me and my family. Nobody would even notice if I was dead. If I left tomorrow, nobody would care. I'm just going to give up. And here's what happens. When discouragement and depression go unchecked, it leads to the point of despair. Maybe you're there. I hope not. Maybe you are. I've been there. We see his delusion. Goes to the cave to hide, and God comes to Elijah. And he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing with your life, Elijah? And Elijah tells the Lord about all he's done, right? God, I've been jealous for you. I, I mean, I've been faithful to you, God, but look at the people. I'm the only one that's left. I'm the only one that's been faithful. And they're seeking my life. They're trying to kill me. Nobody else cares. Everybody else is worshiping Baal but me. Nobody stands for the truth but me. Nobody's staying with the stuff but me. God, I'm the only one left serving you. Have you ever had that Elijah complex? You discourage and you say, well, bless God, I'm the only one around here that loves Jesus. I'm the only one around here that's still standing with the stuff. You know, I'm the only one that's still standing for the truth. It's just me. I'm the only one, God. You know what that's called? That's called delusion. And that's what happens when we get discouraged. We begin to perceive something that is not true because we become depressed and discouraged and it leads to delusionment. He's in a bad place, isn't he? I mean, he is in a bad place. What's he going to do? Is there a way out? We see the character of depression, the cause of depression, characteristics of depression, but then there is a cure. There's at least five ways God helps Elijah with depression. And I believe God will help us the same way. First of all, very simply, God provided rest for Elijah. Now we might pass over this because it's simple, but it's a wonderful truth. God gave Elijah in verse number four the rest that he needed most. He comes to this juniper tree. He requests that he would die. Notice God doesn't respond with a rebuke but he just simply gives Elijah rest. Verse 5 says, as he lay and slept under a juniper tree. You know, God is the giver of rest. In fact, rest was his idea to begin with. Six literal days, he created this world. On the seventh day, he rested. Now, why did God rest? He certainly don't need it. He's God. He don't need to rest. God rested to set a pattern for us to teach us that we need to rest. We don't get that sometimes, do we? Sometimes when we get discouraged and depressed, all we really need to do is take a break. Not quit. Just take a break. Take a day off. I know that's not, that, that doesn't settle well with us. We don't like days off. 
Sometimes you just need to cut the phone off and take a day off. Get away. Take a break. Take a short vacation. And let God give you some rest. Recharge the batteries. I know it's practical help. If you're depressed or discouraged, maybe this morning you need to find somewhere just to rest. Take a break. Number two, God provided refreshment. Verse 5 through 7, Elijah's laying there sleeping and God sent an angel along to cook Elijah a meal. And it wasn't just any meal, it was a heavenly meal. So how do you know it was a heavenly meal? Well, Elijah went on this meal for 40 days. I had never had a meal I could go 40 days on. I can barely make it three hours, much less 40 days on a meal. Well, I'm telling you, God fixed Elijah up, didn't he? He gave him a heavenly meal, provided refreshment. Now, I could say something on the physical side of this about the kind of refreshment that we might need, but I'm not going to talk about that. I'll tell you what we need desperately. We need spiritual refreshment, don't we? Well, when we get discouraged, we get depressed, we need a heavenly meal. And I know you know this, and we all know this, but we find that heavenly meal right here in God's Word, don't we? We open up the Bible, and, and we get some refreshment. When we get depressed and we get discouraged, I'm glad that we can take the Word of God, and we can open it up, and we can read what God says. And I guarantee you, if you'll read the Word of God, that will give you enough refreshment just to go on down the road just a little bit further and serve Him. Refreshment. The Bible gives us refreshment. You know what our problem is often? We're so filled up with other things that we can't feed on the refreshment that God wants to give us. Oh, God, help us. And I know I'm talking to preachers, but help us. We need to get off Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter long enough to get in the book and just get some real spiritual nourishment from the Word of God. Refreshment and then rest, and then God provided a reminder. Verse 9 through verse number 12 Elijah journeys to Mount Horeb. He finds himself another cave to hide in. God comes to Elijah and says again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah again gives God this spill about how he's forsaken and he's the only one that's still being faithful. And he's telling God basically how bad things are. And then God gives him a reminder that he's still God. Boy, I enjoyed that song a while ago about God's still in control. God demonstrates His power in, in dramatic fashion to Elijah. He demonstrates it in the wind and He demonstrates His power in the earthquake and in the fire. And God is saying to Elijah, look, I want you to know that I'm still in control of the wind and I'm still in control of the fire. And I'm in control of everything, Elijah. Don't forget that I'm in the driver's seat. Boy, when we get depressed, it's good for us to remember that God's still in control. Amen? Doesn't matter how bad things get, we need to remember that God is still in the driver's seat. If he can control the wind, and if he can control the earth and the fire, then surely he can control our circumstances as well. Well, I tell you, some of us, we've been so worried about what's going on in this world. We've got all caught up in all this political mess, and it's caused us to be discouraged. And it will. And I'm not telling you you don't need to pay attention to what's going on in the world, but I'm telling you we ought not be so distracted by it and so discouraged by it and so depressed by it that we allow it to cripple us. Because here's the reality, that no matter how bad it gets in this world, God in heaven is still on the throne. He's still in control. He's still in the driver's seat. When we get down and discouraged, may God speak to us to remind us that He's still in control. By the way, God didn't speak to Elijah in the fire and in the wind. But He spoke to him in a still, 
small voice. God may be trying to speak to you this morning in a still, small voice, because, but maybe you're looking for the earthquake or you're looking for the wind. God's saying, if you just listen, I'm trying to give you some encouragement. I'm trying to remind you that I'm still in control. God provided rest and a refreshment and a reminder, but then God provided a reality check. How many need a reality check occasionally? Oh, I know I do. Verse number 18, God reminds Elijah he's not the only one serving him. I mean, here's Elijah. He thinks everybody else is serving Baal and everybody else has went, the, the, everybody else has went liberal. They've left the stuff and God comes along and says, Elijah, buddy, what you need right now is a reality check. I've still got 7,000 that have not bowed their knee to me. Elijah, I know you think you are, but you're not the only one serving me. Elijah, stop crying about it and just get over it. Oh, yes. You know what we need when we get depressed and discouraged? We need, we need to be reminded that we're not the only ones still in it. We're not the only ones still doing it right. And if you think you are, just look around this morning. Because God's still got a few. God's still got a remnant. Hey, we need to be reminded that, that we're not the only ones serving God. We're so prone to think that we're the only ones dealing with the things we're going through, aren't we? Nobody else knows. I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm the only one that's ever had this issue before and God has to come along and remind us, hey, you're not by yourself. Never have been. Maybe you need a reality check this morning. Just a reminder that you're not the only one. That there's more that are serving God. He provided rest, provided refreshment, reminder, reality check. And then lastly, God provided a return. Look in verse 15 through 17. God says to Elijah, I want you to go anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And I want you to go anoint Jehu to be king over Israel. Then, then go find Elisha and, and anoint him. And you need to make him your disciple, Elijah. Because he's going to be your successor. God lets Elijah get rested and refreshed and then God says, okay, buddy. It's time to get back to work. It's time to get back to what I've given you to do. You've rested. You've got refreshed. Now it's time to return to what I've given you to do. When you're depressed, you're discouraged, you need refreshment, you need rest, maybe you need a reality check. But then we've got to get back up, don't we? We've got to go back to work. Do what God's given us to do. Amen. We need the Lord to help us, don't we? And He will. Provides everything we need to get back to what He's given us to do. Are you discouraged this morning? You're like Elijah. Got to the place where He said, It's enough! Just don't know how much more I can take. Well, can I tell you, you can get up and go on. Do something Amen. for God. Elijah gets up, goes on. God uses him greatly. Amen. May God help us this morning. Let's bow our heads. Father, I love you. Thank you for those moments of refreshment and rest and encouragement that you've given me when I feel like I just can't go on. I hope, Lord, there's somebody here that you can help this morning, not because of anything I've said, but because of your word and its power and its ability. Strengthen us, encourage us. We'll give you the glory for it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand for a moment with our heads bowed, please. Where art thou? Put your name in there. Where art thou? Boy, all of us come to that place of discouragement. That place of disheartenment. And God help us this morning.
Miss uh, Pena is going to play through a verse of invitations. God's speaking to your heart in some way, and you need to come. And I think that's part of it, is just swallowing our pride and saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me where, I, where I'm at. I don't know. Well, I, I can say this as far as my lifetime. We've never seen a more discouraging time. We need God's grace. We need His help. We need His guidance. We need to be recommissioned in the work of God. Realize there's things to do. There's things to do, and God help us to do it. These are praying. Perhaps others need to. Don't miss the opportunity to let God have His way in your heart today.